0: this little series on how church works and last week we looked at elders this week we're looking at deacons and uh, we saw last week uh, how is church supposed to work well who has authority over the church the answer was Jesus the church should be Jesus ruled elder led and this week we're going to think about being deacon served and you might think to yourself well Doesn't sound very exciting, like, you know, I've got a picture of deacons and it doesn't sound very exciting to look at a topic like this. Why does this matter? Well, please open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and you'll find, if you don't have a Bible, put your hand up and we'd love to make sure you have a Bible in your hands. So please, if you don't have a Bible, don't be embarrassed to put your hand up and we'd love to stick a Bible in your hands and once you get one... Um, Turn to page 1192, because we're going to see the kind of the wider context in which there's a description of the role of elders and deacons. So if you've got a Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 3, page 1192. Let me read this, uh, this chapter. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. In the same way, Deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and a great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing to you with these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. This is God's word. Now, hopefully you can see why I read the whole chapter Uh, if the topic of looking at deacons doesn't look that exciting why are we looking at deacons well because leadership in the local church is very significant why is that because the church is very significant did you notice that in chapter 3 verse 15 what is the church it's not the building it's not a place with a spire or an organ or whatever it's the people and look how it's described when the people gather who are God's household, which is the church of the living God. Church is God's family. That's, you know, that's why leadership in a church is important, because you're talking about God's family. Uh, we're just learning now about the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, who are no longer going to be doing royal duties. But the Queen, very nicely, wrote a letter to say that they're still very much loved members of the family which means they might get some Christmas invites to Sandringham and stuff like that, which is nice, isn't it? It's, it's a great privilege to be part of a royal family. And actually, that is what the Christian church is. We are brothers and sisters of the King of Kings, the royal household, God's household. Uh, the church is no small thing. You want to know where God's family hang out? Well, in churches just like this, where we gather together. And God promises in a very special way that he dwells amongst his people. It is the church of the living God. You know, where can people go in Edinburgh to encounter the living God? Well, the answer is any sort of Bible church like this, where the family gather together. There, the living God is especially present and known and enjoyed together. And, and the church is something that is uh, described as the, the pillar and the foundation of the truth, verse 15. That is to say, this is a community of people who stand on the foundation of God's word. The gospel is our foundation. And our job is to hold up and hold out the word of God to uh, the city of Edinburgh. That's why I like that stained glass window. That at the center of it is the Bible. And these decorative pillars kind of hold it up. That's what, what our job is to be. Pillars holding out the word of God to uh, Edinburgh and to uh, this nation. And there you've got a description in verse 16 of the essential message of this Christian community. And it describes it as the, the mystery from which true godliness springs. And you've got um, these six lines, I think it's two groups of three, and it's all about Jesus. See, the heart of our message is Jesus. Uh, What we want you to hear about when you come amongst us is Jesus. Jesus, who appeared in the flesh, the incarnation, was vindicated by the Spirit, I think speaks of his resurrection, and therefore his death and resurrection. It was seen by angels, his ascension, where He is at God's right hand right now. And then what is his ongoing ministry in the world? Well, it's the ministry of the church preaching this gospel of Jesus to the nations. And as people repent and believe the good news, they too are uh, included. As they repent and believe, they're included in the royal household where God dwells. And one day the whole thing will be gathered up into eternal glory. There's a day coming where the only thing left standing will be the church of God in the new heavens and the new earth. So it's no small thing, is the local church. And therefore it's no small thing who are the the leaders in God's church. And we're going to come back to that thought as we see the important qualifications of deacons at the end. Now what I want to do is... um, Look at three things simply: what is a deacon, what's the purpose of a deacon, and what are the qualifications of a deacon? That's kind of where we're going this morning. What is a deacon? Well, the word deacon is kind of an English form of the Greek word. There it is. We'll put it up: diaconos. See, I had three years of education, so I could say that. Well worth it. Diaconos. It occurs kind of like thirty times in the Bible. And most often, it's a non-technical term. It just simply means servant. Uh, Most commonly, a table servant, a waiter, someone who serves food and drink. And so at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, uh, Mary tells the servants, the deacons, to go fill up the jars with water. And Jesus manages to turn the wedding around to being a really fabulous party with what happens next. Or when Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law who was uh, sick with a fever, uh, just with a touch, her fever is gone. We know that she was back to full health in a miraculous way because instead of having weeks and weeks of still feeling rubbish after the fever, she instantly gets up and waits on them. She deacons them is the word. And this idea then of being a servant is, is, is used more widely. So in Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, Uh, He describes Epaphras, uh, the man who had actually brought the gospel probably from Ephesus and preached it in Colossae. He describes him in this way uh, You learnt the gospel from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful deacon, a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. And he describes himself later in the chapter that Paul describes himself as a deacon of the gospel. He says this, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a deacon, a servant. So most of this time, this word deacon just is in a general sense. And uh, when the Bible translators come to that word, they tend to translate it as minister or servant because it's kind of a general sense. And I think that's important for us to realize because the New Testament Presents servanthood as ministry expectation of the whole church. This is something expected of every Christian disciple who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a challenge to us because we are naturally selfish. We love it when people serve us. Uh, I, I remember a very extreme example of this in 2014 was when the um, vice president of Korean Air, the daughter of the chairman of Korean Air, um, she was involved in an incident of nut rage. Can you imagine it? About macadamia, nuts. Who'd have thought they could have drawn such ire and anger? But they did. It was uh, the departing flight to Seoul from New York, and uh, it had pulled away from the terminal. It was moving towards being the, 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 the taxiing to, to fly off. And this uh, woman was absolutely incensed when they came and served her macadamia nuts in a bag. Outrageous. Rather than a bowl. Well, she was, she, she was not having it. And so she forced two flight attendants to kneel and beg for forgiveness before ordering the plane return back to the terminal where one of them was ejected off the plane. Well, there's power. eh? Well, you know, maybe you haven't done that or tried that yet. Uh, If you're a Christian disciple, can I just say don't do it? Because, you know, we love it. We love it being served. But actually, if we're saying we're following Jesus, then we're called Service. Uh, after all, Jesus is the servant king. Uh, do you remember that when the the mother of James and John, she sensed there was an opportunity for a bit of prestige for her boys, and so she came uh, with her boys, uh, or maybe the boy said, "Mom, you you chat to Jesus," um, and uh, that she went to Jesus. She gets on her knees before Jesus, and she says, uh, "You." Um, Grant that one of these two sons of mine sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. And it says this, that when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. You know, were they, were they scratching their heads? Don't they understand it's about service? Or were they just thinking, how did they get in ahead of us? I, I'm maybe, the, maybe the latter, I don't know. But Jesus calls them all together and uh, he says this. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your deacon, your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, to be deaconed, but to serve, but to deacon. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came as the servant king. Incredible. You know, God the Son in all glory becomes, comes in human flesh and he is the anointed king who will rule God's everlasting kingdom. But he says, I didn't come to be served. He deserved it. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life As a ransom for many. He chose to come in order to go to the cross. So that he would pay the price for our sins. He came to serve us in his atoning death on the cross. So that we could be forgiven. So that we could be set free from condemnation forever. And so to be a follower of this king, the servant king, means that we ought to see ourselves as deacons, as servants who look for ways to serve the needs of others around us, rather than expect everybody else to run around uh, serving us. And I think this is one of the great signs of spiritual growth you want to look for. In, in, is, as someone becomes a Christian, are they maturing in their faith? What's one of the signs? It's this. Do they move from being a consumer to being a servant? And so, you know, if you're someone who comes here regularly and you enjoy uh, coming Sunday by Sunday you enjoy this church being here can I ask you to consider how are you serving to benefit others to help our gathering work and if the answer is oh that's a bit uncomfortable not really I really enjoy being served though uh, can I encourage you to come back next Sunday because we're going to have a ministry fair I saw this bus yesterday it reminded me of this Don't you hate that? You're waiting for the bus, and it comes around the corner, and it tells you, not in service. Well, bottom line is, if you enjoy being part of this church, we don't want you to be a bus like that. So come next week. You can find out different ways you can serve practically. uh, Find out how you get involved and sign up to be uh, one of the servants that will help make this happen. But back to this word, deacon. Most of the time it's used in a general sense of just serving other people. But there are a few instances where it seems to refer to a specific office within the church. So listen to how the, uh, the Apostle Paul addresses the church in Philippi. Uh, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. So we looked at the overseers' deac- uh, elders last week. And then there's this other office called the deacons. And then this other passage is, is 1 Timothy chapter 3, which you read a moment ago, which after mentioning the office of, of elder, of overseer, it goes on to mention in the same way deacons. So that's what the word, well, that's what a deacon is. What's the purpose of a deacon? Surprisingly, there's very little detail about this. Uh, we saw last week that the elders are called to lead the church. Uh, through teaching the Bible, through the example of their lives and and prayer. But we don't seem to get a specific list of all the things that uh, deacons do. But as Christians have studied the Bible over the years, there's a couple of places that they would go to. One of them is in Acts chapter 6. So please, um, you might want to keep your finger in 1 Timothy, but let's turn to Acts chapter 6. And you'll find this on page 1098 in the church Bibles. Page 1098. Let's take the time to read the first seven verses of Acts uh, chapter 6. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on the tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Now, none of these men uh, picture given the title deacon, but many commentators kind of see this as a, an early model of the office uh, that would become the deacon. And there are three aspects to their appointment that shape our understanding of the role of deacons. And the first one is this, that deacons are to care for the physical needs of the church. It was a time of significant growth, uh, the, the The early growth of the church, it went from 120 to 3,120 in one day. Can you imagine managing all those people? And I would imagine that would present lots of challenges. But one of the things that happened was um, there was some grumbling going on in church. Imagine that. Gosh, what was it like? I mean, we don't know what that is. Uh, but 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 apparently some Jews have complaining and and grumbling. I can't imagine it. But there we are, and uh, and it would the temptation would be think well you know it's just a minor issue. But actually when you think about the issue, it was a significant issue. You've got a, a potential minefield of dealing with ethnic and cultural tensions. Some from a, a, a Jewish background, some from a, a Gentile uh, a background. And it seems that the widows from the Greek background were being overlooked in some way as food was being distributed for those who needed the food. So a a big problem. Vulnerable adults, ethnic problems. And um, what I find fascinating is that the apostles, even as they hear that there's some complaining going on, they don't do a four-week series about not grumbling. I'd be tempted perhaps to do that as an approach, but they didn't do a four-week series on grumbling. Uh, They didn't actually call for a time of prayer and fasting. They actually just exercised some sound leadership. Uh, They knew that they had a duty of care. Uh, They knew that um, it was important that this need was uh, addressed, but they also knew that it could potentially overwhelm them if they got pulled into it. And so they had this genius plan, this practical plan, as they proposed a new team, Uh, would be set up that would provide leadership over this area of meeting physical needs. So verse 2, the twelve gathered disciples together. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Interestingly, the word deacon is used twice in this section. The apostles are called to deacon, serve through teaching God's Word and prayer. And they're saying, look, it's not right for us to serve on tables because otherwise we won't get round to any of the prayer and teaching of God's word, And the plan that they, they put out seemed to be uh, uh, one that everyone thought was a great idea. And uh, they were given some guidelines. They appointed the spirit-filled, wise uh, men who would take on this leadership role to make sure this practical need was met. And that brings us to the second purpose of deacons, which is really to promote unity in the church. This is the real issue going on here. Uh, The threat of of these two groups um, one feeling left out was that there'd be a growing disunity in the church which would harm the mission of the church. And so the appointment of these men heads that off. Uh, Really the goal of all of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us is that we would exercise them in a way that offers mutual encouragement Serving one another in love. And the work uh, of recognized deacons is one really should edify and build unity in a congregation. Very practically, Mark Dever puts it this way. We can't have people serving as well as deacons who are unhappy with the church. That's just not going to work. Uh, The deacons are not those in the church who are complaining the loudest or jarring the church with their actions or attitudes. Quite the opposite. The deacons are to be the mufflers, the shock absorbers uh, that will actually spread and increase unity. And so as we look to appoint deacons, we should be looking for um, people with vision who are not just care about their area, but see how it fits into the whole. They're not going to be turfy about their bit. But their concern is to see how it's going to unify and build the whole congregation. Third thing to note about the role of deacons is that it actually supports the ministry of the word. The apostles knew it was important to care for these widows. But they knew they'd get sidetracked if they got pulled into that. And they would be pulled away from the ministry of the word and prayer. And so actually the result of appointing these deacons was the advancement of the preaching of the word of God and the advancement of mission. We have deacons to advance the cause of the gospel in this city and in this nation. That's how crucial deacons are. And look at the advance that happened. The description in verse 7 is amazing. After After this practically was worked out, so the word of God spread. That's what we want to see. God's word spreading out of you. Someone asked me after the nine o'clock, uh, was it okay if their wife, that he, if he went into a local school and ran glad you asked amongst some of the pupils who were asking, was that okay? I said, You are asking me whether you can go and spread the gospel outside this building. I said, You don't need to ask me. Of course, I'll be delighted. That's, that's, we want to see the word of God spread. And what happens when the word of God spreads? The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. You know something's happening when the clergy get saved, don't you? When the clergy get converted, you know there's a great work of God going on. And that's exactly what happened here. More impact by God's word because these men functioned in a deacon-type way in the community of God's people. Uh, Yesterday morning, the elders gathered And uh, we were reflecting on the last five years as a church. And they've been remarkable years. And there's a few things that are remarkable. Number one, how much change that has happened. Five years ago, we were in another building uh, down the street. Remember that place? And uh, we transitioned to, to buying this place, refurbishing it, and moving into this place. We've changed our legal status a little bit as a charity, which was actually quite a big thing. (laughs) Changing bank accounts and all sorts of things like that. We introduced a second service. And do you know what? It's happened smoothly because we've had great deacons, great servant-hearted people who go, okay, is that what we're doing? Okay, let's make it happen. Amazing. We've been so well served by deacons and other people doing practical service areas as we've made such massive changes over the last five years. It's been extraordinary. And what has the result been? More people have heard the gospel. More people have got saved. Um, Sharon and I were leading a, a discipleship group for guys who'd become Christians in the year before. And uh, during one of the studies, I was illustrating about the change from our old building. And they looked puzzled. What, what old building? And it just struck me. Yeah, they, they hadn't got a clue about Rose Street. They'd all come into this building and heard the gospel here and got saved here. And of course, that's why we did it. And it was all made possible because of people with servant hearts. And the deacons who've smoothed this whole process and worked so hard. So let's put a picture of these uh, good-looking people up there. Uh, we're so thankful for our deacons. They actually represent teams. They lead teams in finance and in the building and uh, communications and, uh, and, and you know welcoming and and, and uh, IT and AV and all sorts of areas like this. And it's been a massive blessing. And so we do thank God for them. Pray for them. Most of them say they feel a bit stretched at times. They could do with a few more people next week. Good opportunities for signing up. And after we've done the eldership election process, and by the way, please put your nominations in for those that you are seeing functioning as elders. There's a box there you can put your nominations into. After we finish that process, we're going to go through a process of of kind of refreshing and, uh, our, our, our deacons group and looking at who will be deacons for the next five years. So please pray about this process. It, what's at stake? The spread of the word of God. People getting saved. People entering into the household of God, which will eventually be taken up in glory. That's all it involves, right? So it's a big deal, great opportunities. Pray about it what are the qualifications of a deacon as as I finish up here? We'll turn back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, page 1192. And again, it's interesting that it's more about character than job description. Who you are and how you go about something is almost more important than what you're doing. Because we're wanting godly deacons. If our message is about the mystery of godliness is great, he appeared in a body, we need to be a church where we model godliness and it should be in its leaders, in its elders, and in its deacons. Um, Verse 8, in the same way deacons. Seems to follow on a very similar list of, 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 of characteristics of their personality. The only difference really is about able to teach. Um, we're looking for people with a servant heart, obviously. People who are worthy of Respect. We're looking for sincere people, verse 8. Uh, that, that is that they're consistent in their words and their life. They don't say one thing to one person and something completely different to another person. That's not very helpful. Uh, someone who's not addicted to much wine. Are they self-controlled people? Uh, it's not really good having uh, drunk deacons sloshing around the place. Uh, not greedy for dishonest gain. Uh, you don't want a treasurer who uh, loves the money and uh, is tempted to skim. You don't want that. You want trustworthy Guys, you want guys with generous hearts, really. Uh, do they exhibit godly generosity in their own lives? Are they honest people? Uh, they must hold to the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. Um, so it's not only important that they the, the, the godliness of life, but because we're about a, a message proclaiming the gospel, do they really believe the gospel? Have they got a firm grip on the gospel? That's an important thing, isn't it? So that we will be unified together. So do they have a credible profession of faith in Jesus? Do they look to apply the the Bible to their own lives? Do they hold to the word of God without reservation? It it speaks about uh, being tested, verse 10. There needs to be some sort of track record of faithfulness in serving the Lord. Do they show competence in their area of service? Um, You know, you may have somebody who, who would love to serve in the singing ministry, but if they're If they can't sing to save their life, it's not very useful. You know, so these are are practical little things. Um, If they're married, uh, verse 12, are they a good husband? Are they faithful to their wife? Are they managing their children and their family well? Uh, These are core competencies that you want to see uh, as you bring someone in to manage God's family. And I believe that uh, this is also a list about women deacons. Look at verse 8, in the same way deacons. Verse 11, in the same way the women. I think we're talking about uh, female deacons. And again, in in Romans uh, chapter 16, you you hear Paul describing our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church, a deacon of the church, who has been a great help to me, he says. And for the women deacons, again, do others respect this woman? Are these women careful in their speech not to slander others? Are they careful with their words? Are they of even temperament? Are they trustworthy women in the other areas of their life? Now these are the sort of people that you want serving as deacons in the church. And so please pray. We've been so blessed over the last five years to have elders and deacons who've been just like this. Uh, and so let's pray on that we will see that in the next five years. And as you think about, well, would you be willing to serve as, a, as an elder or as a, de- as a deacon, we think particularly Dave, if you willing to serve as a deacon, look at the blessing of being a deacon in verse 13. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Here are two wonderful benefits of those who serve well as part of the ministry of the church. One is before people, and one is before God. Before people, they gain a good standing for themselves. There's a right and proper esteem and respect and influence that is gained by consistent, faithful service for God amongst his people. And the second is a reward before God, that those who serve well and faithfully as deacons also experiencing a kind of a deepening confidence in their relationship with Jesus. Day by day, they see evidence of their saving faith in Jesus, uh, working out in good works in their lives that enables um, them to serve in the strength he provides. Uh, Richard Booth, who is the deacon in charge of uh, AV and IT, uh, spoke at the 9 o'clock service, and afterwards he was telling me that this has been his experience over the last few years. He's found it so spiritually encouraging. To be aware of the wider work of the church in his role as a deacon. And to see how his bit plays a part in the overall work and life and mission of the church has deeply strengthened his faith. And so can I commend to you, if you're feeling a a bit shriveled in your Christian life, a bit shugly. uh, Think about studying the word a bit more and finding a place of service. Because these are excellent ways to grow in your confidence in the gospel... And your confidence in Christ. So how does church work? It is to be Jesus ruled, elder led, deacon served. And next week we're going to think about the role that we all play as members as a church works. So let's pray.